Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Dollars and Cents Show. This is your host, Carol Topp of homeschoolcpa.com, website where I try to help homeschool leaders run and start their organizations properly, legally, <laughs> and correctly without burning out. And I am so happy to have with me uh, a homeschool leader from Flat Top, West Virginia, Jamie Buckland. Uh, Jamie's got a very interesting background and lots of experience, so I think you're going to really enjoy the next couple of podcasts where she shares her story and her experience. But she's been homeschooling uh, her four children for 12 years, but Jamie started and worked running a for-profit homeschool program for about four years and then switched it up to now she's running a nonprofit homeschool program for the last three. I actually helped um, her nonprofit program get tax-exempt status. So uh, we're going to talk about some of that kind of stuff, how she runs her program, why she does it the way she does, and I think this will be beneficial to you all. So welcome, Jamie. Thanks for spending a little bit of time sharing your knowledge with um, the listeners. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Carol, for inviting me to do this. Yeah. So it was about three years ago, maybe maybe four, we met virtually um, yes. because you were starting Appalachia Classical Academy. So why don't you give us yes. a little background on what you what you what Appalachia Classical Academy is, what you do, why you started it, and um I'm gonna stick in some more questions because I'm I'm just curious about really how you're running it. Sure. I, I hope to get tax exempt status, but I don't really know that much about how you operate. Sure, yeah. So we it is exactly three years ago that we were asking questions and figuring out what um, we could do to continue serving families who wanted to be together and wanted to have community but felt like we needed something different from the group that we had been with. And so I believe it was Holly Schrock at Claritas who said, you need to get connected with Carol Top. Uh, She's one of my clients too, yeah. (laughs) Yes, and so that is where, and it was funny because it was like this little chain of the good Lord just leading me to the right people to get every, every, all of my ducks in a row so that we could create ACA. And that was our next step was talking with you. And I think I reached out to you early in the year and then we were able to, file and get an EIN and incorporate in West Virginia in May and file for our exemption. And then we received that exemption in September of 2016, and and it was even backdated for us. So even though it was a lot of work, um, it was just so helpful to have people who had gone before me that were able to tell me what I needed to do, what was required of me, and what would be a waste of time, what avenues to not run down, and it was just a really mm-hmm. good process for me. So besides helping, talking to me, and I helped you with um, your tax-exempt status, who else did you go to for advice and, and information sure. when you thought, I, I want to start this, this uh, program and run it as a nonprofit? Yeah, so I started with Melissa Corkum. I can't even remember exactly how I found her, but she's running a program, I believe, in Baltimore. She told me about Claritas and Holly Schrock. I actually traveled to Philadelphia from southern West Virginia and spent a couple days with Holly and her team at Claritas. I got on the phone with Laura from Cross 7, 
and loved what she had to offer with the um, technology behind the memory work from Claritas. And so all of those pieces kind of helped give shape or give a form to what we wanted to create with Appalachian Classical Academy. And we were able to um, weed out, like I said, not, not run down the trails that were unnecessary, which is so easy mm-hmm. to do when you have a big vision and you've got a big idea. You start chasing all of these options. And so by talking with these people that have gone before us, we were able to narrow down our vision. And I went to the Great Homeschool Convention in Greenville that year. I also went to Searcy Institute's National Conference that year. And so listening to Christopher Perrin and Andrew Kern, Sarah McKenzie, Pam Barnhill, there were so many great people that I was connected with um, that they just had a great influence on what our vision for ACA would be. That's so smart. I mean, you so you're you're listening to people, but you're also connecting one on one with phone calls. That's that's yes. brilliant. I, I'm going to put in a plug. You and I um, still stay in touch through a Facebook group. And for folks that don't know about it, this is a Facebook group called "I Am a Homeschool Group Leader" on Facebook. And I, I didn't start it, but one day the the, the one, lovely woman <laughs> who did start it, um, she's kind of semi-retired from homeschooling. She made me moderator one day because I guess I was hanging out there a lot. But I think there's about six or 700 homeschool leaders from across the country. So that's a great place to start and say, you know, anybody done anything like this? And then when you want to go deeper with one person, of course, you can privately message them and, and call right. them. And we learn from yeah. each other. So yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so you have been uh, um, tossing around this this phrase I'm not used to hearing about, but you call your program, let's, let's talk about money on the CPA, at cost, or sometimes I hear no cost. So, yeah. so talk to me about talk to me about the money, and then we'll maybe get into you know why, why you charge, what you charge, and yeah. you know what your expenses are. Yeah, yeah. I think mm. that you know this being now my my twelfth year of homeschooling. When you start out homeschooling, everybody says, "Well, you know, where's the local co-op? How do we get with people?" And so we did that. We were part of the co-op for our first few years. And in my mind, the way that I define an at-cost co-op is a program that's coming together but not charging for services. So the money that is changing hands might be for insurance to cover the group while they meet at a gracious church, um, which is offering up their facility for, for rent and for that group to meet there. So you might be charging rent, you might be um, having or you might be paying rent and you might be paying for an insurance premium and then you're really just paying for supplies. So you're teaching an art class and everybody needs a watercolor set. So you're just, that's all that it is. And I know from reading your book and from listening to your podcast, you give great information and a great form to the fact that if you're tiny, five families or less, you can get by with this. And then if you have Mm. more families, get yourself a treasurer and make sure Mm. that you have some accountability in place. And so what I would even frame for both of those, they're kind of running as an at-cost co-op. But what I found as homeschooling grows is that some families would like to have more than that. And some families would like to not just have someone volunteering their services and bartering back and forth, but they would actually like to have a little bit more commitment to their weekly program that they attend. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the difference in an at-cost 
co-op versus what I personally run, which is a, a program that charges tuition and compensates employees. So to me, those are the two mm-hmm. differences of an at-cost, which isn't charging for a service, and a tuition gotcha. base, which is. That makes sense. I, and I think I've used the phrase like all-volunteer co-op, but a co-op there you in go. the pure sense of the word. And sometimes I yes. call what you're doing with um, charging tuition, I call those maybe not co-ops necessarily, but um, programs, just you know, homeschool programs. Yeah. So yeah. Do, do you require the, the parents to to stay on the campus when you're holding your, your co-op or program sure, day? That's a, I don't know what you call Or yeah, that's um, a great question. they drop off? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we allow our parents, you know, for students that are 13 up through graduation, Uh, of there being a senior, you know, if the parent needs to drop them off, then we're flexible with that. We don't encourage it. We don't encourage it because we do, we don't mandate where you are. In fact, if you want to come sit in the library, our, our facility has a beautiful library. And if you want to come sit in the library and read a good book for the day, you're welcome to do so. You're not required to be in class because you're paying a tuition. So you're not required to be there um, in the class with your student. So if you want to sit in the library, you can do that. But most of – we only have one parent this year who isn't a tutor. But even on the planning periods, the, oh. when the tutor is not working, they can go hang out in the library and have a coffee. Um, and so we don't require them to be in class. But we, we do not promote drop-off because our parents that are part of ACA realize that our role is supplemental. It is not, we're not taking anything from them, any responsibility from them. So we're adding to what they do, but our parents realize that they benefit from listening in on our courses as well. So most of them Mm. want to be involved, even on their planning period. Most of them will hop into a class to make sure they're staying on top of biology or staying on top of Latin. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And depending upon how many kids they have, they can be quite busy that day bopping around. But yes. yeah, I could see that. That yes. makes sense. But then if they, if they have a day where Monday did not go so well, and on Tuesday they would just like to sit with their coffee and a book in the library, <laughs> then they can do that. We, that. we encourage that too. That's that's very flexible of you. Oh, but your you know your academy is not huge, is it, Jamie? How many how many students no. do you have? No, we have. That's a great question. I think twenty seven. I think twenty seven students. Okay. okay. And we started out our first year with seventy six students and oh. twenty six families, and then okay. we had a a new private school open up, we had some families say, hey, you know what, this classical thing is overwhelming and confusing to me, and I just just want to do something different. And it was beautiful to me because our first year was great. It it had a lot of hiccups. We worked through them. But it also just helped define us because families were able to say, you know what, this isn't for me. And there was no love lost. We're still great friends. But it just wasn't for them. And I think that's – important for homeschool group leaders to remember your program isn't going to be for everyone and that's okay yeah especially a classical program because very few of us of course were raised um, or are familiar with classical education so it does appeal even to a subset of homeschoolers sure see that okay let me ask you a question as we wrap up this first part of our of our interview together and you you alluded to it a little bit earlier you you charge tuition 
and you pay your tutors as employees, is is that a, is that a big headache? Is that as scary as everybody thinks it is to to do payroll <laughs> and have employees? Well, let me give a disclaimer to why we do that. I personally do not think it is a bigger headache than the alternative. So if I can just use a quick analogy that I've used before, um, I like to say it's kind of like if a family, if your family decides to go on a hike and you load up the kids, you know, I live in wild and wonderful West Virginia, so we have got great parts, and you set out to enjoy God's revelation to us through his creation, and you've got high hopes. Um, so you set out, and as you get started on this path, um, you get to the first fork, and your husband says, you know, I don't know which way to go. We're, you're looking for a sign, and you find a sign and realize it's not even in your mother tongue. You can't even read the directions for this sign. And so your husband just makes the decision. You go on this first path, and you get down there, and your little kids are stumbling. They're crying. Somebody's got to go to the bathroom. The big kids ran off, left you behind. You can't even see them. And your Instagram-worthy photograph is dissipating before your very eyes. It's not going to happen. And so your husband says, you know what, we just need to go back. This is, too, this is not the right terrain for us. You go back and you start on the other option. And just down that path, you hear some voices and another family joins you. And you start chit-chatting and we realize that they're weird homeschoolers as well. And when you come up on the next fork, the mom says, you know what, we've been through here, and I actually learned this language, so I can help you. And she starts giving you some information because she's been down that road before. And as you start to travel, she tells you that there's this interactive cool bird identifying activity coming up just down the road, and she's got her master's in it, and she can lead your kids through it, and you get your hopes up, and you're all excited. And just before you get there, she gets a call and has to leave. And you hate it, and she hates it, but she's got to go. So you fumble through this activity, and you start thinking, you know what, we can keep going on this hike. This is enjoyable, and I've learned along this way. But it sure was nice with that other family. And she sure did bring a lot to the table. And she was asking me questions about how I could help teach her kids to paint watercolors. And that analogy for me explains the theory behind ACA, we could do this on our own. If ACA closed, my family could continue homeschooling. It's not a crutch for us, but it is more beautiful for us to do it alongside one another, and each tutor brings something to the table. And mm. when you have a commitment like we have and you expect a uniform commitment in that the 80-20 rule is true, I'm going to work as mm. hard as I work whether I'm being compensated or not, um, in our area, we found that not everybody sees it that way. And I don't want somebody getting called out one day when they really had a commitment to be in class. So we charge for the expectation so that we can have a uniform commitment. And our parents, mm -hmm. we have 11 families, our parents all understand that, that you appreciate what you pay for. So we charge, and I'm a numbers person, so I'm happy to throw this out. We charge $400 per grammar student, and then we charge $1,000 per logic or rhetoric student, so elementary versus middle high school. And we compensate our tutors $15 an hour. And um, 
I've been able to do that now for three years and run a payroll and the ease that it gives me as far as being able to maintain quality, have an expectation. Mm. If a tutor is struggling in a way, I, I don't feel bad coaching them or working with them because they're my employee. So it, mm-hmm. there's an expectation there that I can have versus if I've got someone volunteering, that's hard. It's hard to go some, to someone who's just volunteering and say, we need to discuss this. So for me, the headache of payroll is minimal compared to the overall administration headache that I would have if I were running an at-cost program. It would be completely different for me. But because I'm able to set the expectation and charge the tuition and compensate the employees, to me that is easier. That's a headache I prefer. (laughs) I like your analogy about the hiking. That actually is kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning of you were you were calling people and talking to people and asking for advice. You were finding guides. And, yes. And uh, there's lots of uh, information to help guide people to how to start a homeschool group or how to how to run payroll. There's even payroll services, I, I right. you know, that can do it almost all for you. And but but ultimately, you said you were wanting to maintain the quality in the teachers, and you get that more obviously with employees than you do volunteers, but you get even more control over the quality of your program with an employee versus an independent contractor because you can't tell an independent contractor what to do, what to say. You're not supposed to evaluate their work. You're not supposed to really tell them what to do. (laughs) Right, right. They're independent of you. Yeah. Right, and also as a nonprofit, there are the implications of bringing in an independent contractor into the facility that we use um, because they would not be under the same umbrella that we are under when we employ oh, our right. teachers. The, they're independent so, business owners coming in to teach just your yes. kids, but you meet right. at a church. So, right, there's a, now right. all of a sudden the church is conducting a business on church property and that may threaten a property tax exemption for the church. Exactly. Yeah, we've run into that a few times. So we don't want to, we don't want to make things rough right. for our churches. And Either. so to me, and, the way that, we, that we've that set mm-hmm. up, just it eliminates so many variables that to me are bigger headaches that I mm-hmm. would rather run a payroll and charge a tuition and have committed families and have an expectation because I'll be honest, my academic year is pretty easy. It's just easy because I don't have a lot of the variables that other wow. programs would have. Well, that's a lot for people to think about. So I want to yes. say thanks for giving us that, that perspective. Absolutely. I do like your analogy. We're going to have a little more time to spend with Jamie, um, and she's going to talk about some other great stuff, like how she's working herself out of a job. And then one thing that just about every homeschool leader deals with conflict and having tough conversations. So join us for the next few episodes of um, the Homeschool Leader Podcast. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Top here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.